Hey there, Sean. Hey, Pierce. How's it going? It's pretty okay. All right. That means it's time for another episode of the It's Pretty Okay podcast. Let's do it. Let's start the show. You're just like me. Hey, uh, so it's uh, it's Monday. We're recording, and and I, I'm doing a thing that I like to do from time to time when we're when we're doing this this thing that we do. Uh, I'm having a beer, uh, but Pierce, you told us, uh, and and you you sent me some some pictures to confirm. You did something different <laughs> over the weekend. Um, yeah, so so I had a, a very curious weekend, which is that it was a weekend that involved not just a cocktail, but more than one cocktail. Um, uh, last last night, after watching an Alton Brown video a couple weeks ago about the history of gin and tonics and how to enjoy one, um, I made my own, bought my own tonic syrup. Um, gin and then also i was somewhere uh saturday evening and someone offered me a cocktail and everybody who was there was was drinking cocktails or mocktails and this was such you know as i start doing this socializing again or, or just like actually feeling relaxed at home i'm like what is this world and i was also somewhat smitten by the idea of of drinking cocktails at home because it's just not something i ever think about we've talked about here before what's your go-to cocktail if you don't normally drink them what i i think you've mentioned before max but i hadn't really internalized home cocktail time is a a focal point of of your existence <laughs> i mean that's just... <laughs> Yikes! Um, are you guys gonna way to not make this podcast. Way to not make this podcast sound like an interview. It's not. It's not bad. I mean, as a, as a host and as something that that you do, I'm not saying like I didn't say cocktails time. I said cocktail time. There's there's a difference. You rarely have just one. Um, yeah, I mean, we we definitely like to host people in our apartment, and we definitely frequently offer and make home crafted cocktails for our guests that's mm-hmm. that's a thing who crafted yeah i mean you know sean i don't i i could count on on one hand the, the times I've, I've made cocktails for for other people especially in my home it's just not something i think about for entertaining is that something that you've done more than a handful of times um so well the, the very important the very important difference in our respective situations is that of the three of us, only one of us lives alone. So <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not so much making cocktails for the, the people that, uh, that live in, in my apartment day to day because it's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have had, um, like I've had friends over a couple times since I, I moved to Richmond and you know made cocktails once or twice or, or really more just kind of like kind of winged it and uh incorporated uh my my booze into the mixers and things that people brought for themselves uh but also like you know open a bottle of wine or you know offer offer beers and i think that's a little more typical for me but 
when I go home to New Orleans for holidays and things, uh, I routinely wind up kind of stepping behind the bar and making cocktails during like family gatherings and things. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, it's just not really something I've, I've ever thought of. I think that one thing that is admirable in both of your situations is, you know, maybe you have a story about the beer you have or, or the wine and, and that can be communal, but there's, you know, Max, you use the word crafted. Um, this is something where, where you're kind of putting your, 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 your hands and your name behind is like, oh, when we go over to Max's or, or when Sean has family over, like you guys are, are kind of the, the barkeeps. Um, I, I mean, Max, is, is that something you think about when, when you're kind of like choosing what to offer? Like, no, I want to show you that this is something that I care about, I value, and, and I'm capable of doing for a guest. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I like to give guests just the option of, oh, like, we have a pretty standard open bar. Like, what would you like? But it's tough to do that without having, you know, you can only have so many, like, standard mixers on hand. I feel Mm -hmm. like we have most, we have most of the liquors covered. We have our simple syrup and bitters and grenadines. We have lemon and lime juice. And then we have some basic sodas and soda water. Mm-hmm. But that obviously can only make like a small percentage of cocktails. Oh, and ginger beer and things like that. Um, not a small percentage. Sean's making a face, but like, you can't say, "Oh, we can make you whatever you want," because you you can't. But usually, if someone's in your house, their order will fall into that. Um, I'd say that the house, the cocktail of the house, is the espresso martini. Um, Bridget is a, an expert espresso martini maker, and most of our guests know that, and it keeps the party bumping pretty late because there's ca- lots of caffeine in there uh we can do decaf espresso martinis as well if you're listening oh what's um, what's the point of that why why this why why upset you know the original recipe classy for loco <laughs> yeah classy um for loco. <laughs> so that's that, that's a good one uh obviously need an espresso machine for that um but yeah no i definitely think that there's pride i mean oftentimes the thing is usually if you say oh i can make whatever you want then usually you know exactly what the guest says which is oh make me whatever you want and then there's the little back and forth of like oh do you like whiskey do you like rum and, and that's fun i i do really enjoy that i mean it's it's sort of like the fun and creativity of being a bartender without any of the pressure and shitty parts of being an actual bartender because <laughs> even the worst case scenario is i make a drink for my friend that's either just bad or just that my friend doesn't like it and either way we can both just laugh about it and they can open up one of the many beers that i hopefully have in my beer fridge like it's never like it's a pressure situation and and uh, I mean I think the thing with that Max is that you have you have made an effort to be like a good host in doing that uh, and and Sean I kind of think about we've you know we've talked before uh, about coffee as like something to enjoy versus a vehicle for caffeine part of this too is now that we are hosting people as opposed to just kind of holding people before they go somewhere else to to you know go to a bar or something mm-hmm. it's like now you're not you know max you use the word mixers but i mean this is ginger beer is very different than like you know rum and coke ginger ale yeah yeah and and stuff like that so like we've moved from a a vehicle for for alcohol to to now this is something where you you care and you i mean honestly you want people to remember that you made a really cool espresso martini or or whatever the case may be I, i think that that's 
really fun and and cool and it's just not something i've thought about before as as like this is this is where i'm planting the stake in the ground because i mean honestly if you're someone who brings out wine and 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 stuff uh, i mean and you think that people are going to appreciate like the story behind it that's really not something that i think people are as aware of as i make a really good martini or i make a really good gin and tonic i think that that is something that is maybe more approachable and and people can appreciate more well i so i think i don't know i think there's a very wide variance on like how invested people want to get in wine but everyone likes a good story and so i do think that i I do think that it's it's maybe it's maybe a little easier to pull off with wine uh than than you might think it is but i I think you know i I think for something like a cocktail there really is a similarity to you know like a a food a, a food item or a recipe in terms of the kind of nostalgia and the the memories and things that 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 can hold for you my my one my most reliable cocktail making engagement every year is at thanksgiving and uh we my mom's side of the family her her younger brother whose family lives in new jersey and uh her older brother's family um who lives in Miami. They come into town because our grandparents live in New Orleans with us. And, and so we get together and do Thanksgiving stuff. Uh, but my uncle Greg, who was my godfather, passed away when we were still in college. And, um, you know, he, he moved away, but Thanksgiving was always like one of his favorite times of year. Cause it was the time that he would come to New Orleans and, go to the French quarter and eat crawfish and oysters and, and do all of that stuff that, you know, that really reminded him of home. And he would always make a round of bloody Mary's. And, uh, when he, uh, when he died, I kind of started to make the bloody Mary's and like, it's, you know, it's just like a little, a little small thing, you know, it takes, five minutes it's you know the kind of thing that you can basically make in a batch um Mm -hmm. but but it's it's like a it's something that's like a small gesture that can really carry a lot of weight behind it uh you know he he was my godfather and and that's just like a really nice it's just like a really nice uh you know nod and and a a toast to to a guy that that we all really miss so like yeah. I think there's something about that that you can't quite unlock by you know passing around beers. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's something coming back to the word it is crafted. It is it is handmade by, you know, and especially these cases where it's if they're your guests or they're family members, these are handmade by people you care about and they made it for you. I mean even if it's a batch, it is made for you. And, and I think that's what makes it interesting when you compare it to, like, restaurants. You know, if you go to a restaurant or you go to a, a bar, I feel I feel that with a cocktail, I end up just viewing it as a kind of a, a value proposition. You know, if you do, 
a beer might be seven, eight dollars, but I know what I'm getting in a way that because I recognize the label and everything else. Whereas a cocktail, I don't, I don't really care who's making it or whatever, and it might end up being really not ideal ingredients. Whereas what you're describing, Sean, or what Max is describing, it's like you do know what's going in it, and like you do feel like it's 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 really good. So maybe it's wrong to view it as a value thing, and maybe I just need to go to places where they use better ingredients. But I, I think that the home experience Papa is very Jones. different there. Papa John's, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's I think there's something to to that last idea. Like, you know, we talk about the home cocktail as being something that's crafted for you, and I I think. I think maybe there's there's still something to that when you go to a restaurant or a bar. The for you part is maybe de-emphasized a little bit, but I think the crafted part is still really important. Like if you go to a bar mm-hmm. that makes good cocktails, I think that's a thing that you can appreciate sort of like a, a work of art in a way. You know, yeah. just one that goes into your, your belly and, and makes your chest all warm. Yeah, and I think sometimes you go places and where, well, it's almost that... The places I go where I do get excited about that, I went to a, a Mexican restaurant recently and they had like a michelada or I don't often pronounce that correctly. So I apologize. A michelada. Michelada. And theirs was, uh, you know, they had a local beer in it. And so I guess it's not technically a cocktail, but they did do something fun and they had a lot of really fun beverages, um, beverages there, cocktails there, including they pull out the straw. I'm like, what the hell is on the straw? And they had, it was in like a fridge and they had taken like uh, chili mango, you know, those strips and they had wrapped it around the straw. So you had, so yeah, it's like, that was really fun. And also I did feel like they had crafted something that was different as opposed to if Max made me an espresso martini, it's very different than like getting one from fill in the blank bar. Cause it's like, that may not be as fun as something mm-hmm. that is different or something that is made by someone I know. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know those, those cocktail experiences, like I still Pierce, I still remember vividly the night that you and I went to bar Pilar yes. in, in DC and who knows if that place still exists. It it does. Un- unless it has ceased to exist in the last six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, we, we went there, it must've been after a concert yes, and, uh, and wound up going on a, a real, a real alcohol odyssey with our, our friend, Brian, the bartender, um, <laughs> <laughs> with whom we bonded over the fact that the only other people sitting at the bar were kind of shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when they got up and left, he latched onto us and was like, "Y'all want to go on a ride?" And we said, "Yes, please." <laughs> and I think I think good guidance is if a bartender asks you to do that, just cancel all your plans for the next yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, strap in. I, and you know, I, I think there, I think there's also a difference. As I talk about that, I think there's a, a big difference between, you know ordering a drink at a restaurant or something where you're like sitting at a table and you're not necessarily uh, like at the bar sort of 
interacting directly with a bartender and the kind of situation that we were in there. It was very small and intimate. It was for all intents and purposes. We were just at Brian's house and he was making cocktails for us. And and yeah, and I think that that's what I find really appealing about what you've described, Max, is that, um, you know, this is this is an intimate, intimate thing, different than hot tub intimacy that we discussed last week. Um, but it's that you, I mean, I can share beer or wine or cool sparkling water with you, honestly, but it, it's different when you, when you have to ask, you have to ask like, hey, what do you want? And you know, you can kind of gesture to your bar, but like really saying, I'm willing to make you what you want as opposed to this thing that I am going to offer you. Yeah. I mean, I love being able to do that. I also think it's kind of neat, like, I, as much as I will order cocktails at bars, I still feel like I look at a cocktail menu and think to myself, I don't know, I can't picture what a lot of them will taste like. Mm-hmm. For a variety of reasons, usually it's because there's one or two ingredients I don't know, or because the name is foreign, and it's some combination where I'm looking at the menu and I'm like, I don't know. So I usually do have a conversation with the, the server, but I, I wish I were a little more confident in like knowing what I like. And so if I can impart any of that onto any of my guests, even if I don't have what I consider to be any super obscure ingredients, but like I have, I have a bottle of Mezcal. I have, you know, I have some things that people wouldn't typically have. So if I can, you know, make someone like a, like a, um, I, I'm blanking on it on the name, but you know, I don't know, a paper plane or something Mm -hmm. like, I love that cocktail. And, um, that would be really neat to, to share that with someone and give them a little more confidence the next time they're at a bar and the bartender says, what can I make for you? And they can say, Oh, I, I, you know, I recently had a, this drink and I really enjoyed it. And then they'll make you something different off of that. And they'll, and they'll add and they'll, and they'll change. And and that's really, it's neat. So I, I know that I think we're, I know we're talking mostly about at home drinking, but you know, are you are you more of an adventurous cocktail drinker when you go out? Are you like trying new things, or are you kind of a, a signature person who who locks in on on a, a sort of a go to that you 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 know you order every time? Because I think I'm more of the latter. When I'm at a bar, I'm ordering something new almost every time. Uh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Okay. And do you, I guess, so I do a similar thing and I will look, if, if they include like a little list of like, these are our featured cocktails, like I will take a look at that because I, mm-hmm. I think it'll be fun. And to your point, Max, I will learn like a new thing from there. Like, what is this liquor? And now I yeah. have this this database in my head of liquors that I only know about from, from these little menus and these drinks. Yeah. That um but but I mean, failing that, do you do you have something that you will go to, or are you just at that point you're saying I'm off the cocktail train? Um, yeah, that's the thing. If 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 none of like the what do you call it, like the cocktail menu cocktails are speaking to mm-hmm. me, I probably wouldn't get a cocktail. I'm not gonna order just say, oh, can I have this cocktail, knowing like the name of a cocktail. Um, maybe if I'm at the bar itself, if I'm at a bar, I might. But I won't at like a table with a with a waitress at dinner. Um, yeah, and I do definitely have like themes. I think that I ordered a drink last night that was, you know, it sounded in my head sort of like not. I mean, it's pretty different from a uh, 
from an old fashioned, but you know, it was bourbon based. I usually I'll know like, oh, I want something bourbon based that's a little liquory and you know, warming, and and they'll go from there. And this one had a few things in it I had never heard of, and I, I didn't particularly like it, but it it definitely got me in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> and that that makes that reminds me, be it the this this home time not necessarily attached to a meal, and then also. Uh, maybe at a bar, but not necessarily sitting down and, and eating. We are re-entering this time of, of that idle period where maybe you're waiting for a table or something, which I really enjoy and have been looking forward to, which is like, this is this is the, the, the part of the show where I get to like explore, oh, I can have like a really weird beer right now. Oh, I think the kids call it breeze. pre-gaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's As pre-gaming we've... if you're already at the restaurant. But I, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm actually in a in a weird way, I'm kind of with you. I'm I miss that magical sentence. Do you want to wait at the bar? Yeah. Yeah. It's kinda of great. Yeah. I, I mean, I erred when I went to that Mexican place I mentioned because there was there was a long line to like order your food and then you went and sat down and I saw people walking back with drinks, but I was like, whatever, it won't take too long. It ended up being, we're in the line for quite a long time and I should have gone over and done that because that was basically that that experience. And and I do miss it because you feel I'm like excited to be at a restaurant and and I'm like, yeah, let me try something new. To, you know, like like you said, Max, it's mm-hmm. it's like a, a a good opportunity to do that. But I have learned my lesson a little bit in that I like to guide the bartender at least a little bit. I don't like necessarily being fully surprised. There is a really Mm. neat cocktail bar near my house, and they have a pretty thorough menu with a lot of cool things. It's the kind of place where you can, you know, they'll talk through it and get you whatever you want. But then at the back of the menu, they have like this kind of contesty thing where you roll a 20-sided die, and each number corresponds to a secret cocktail. And they're very expensive, and you agree that you won't send it back, whatever. Like, you're locked in, whatever it is. And if you drink all 20, which means that not only do you have to drink 20 cocktails, you have to roll. If You know, if, if I go in and roll a five, I get credit for drinking number five. If I go in the next day and roll a five again, they're serving me the same thing. But they have, you have a little card where they keep track of how many of them you've tried. And if you complete them all, you, you it's the Dungeon Master Challenge, and you get... The ability you unlock the ability to order a really expensive cocktail from the menu. It's it's so absurd, but I do kind of so like it. It's even dumber pint night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I thought it was really cool. Other than the fact that this is for some reason like the, these are more expensive than any of the other cocktails on the menu, which I don't think I really agree with. But I did it once, and I rolled the die, thinking this is fun. And they brought me something that I'm sure was, you know, crafted with love, and they might have liked it, and it had, you know, seven ingredients in it. It just tasted like Fireball to me. They they basically Uh, brought me a cup of Fireball, but made with, like, a bunch of, like, other ingredients that made it taste like Fireball. And I'm like, I don't don't want this. And if I roll the die and get this again, I'm going to be really bummed out. (laughs) See, now I'm just thinking about, like, bar promotions and, uh things like pint night and like do happy hours even exist anymore i don't really know because i've gotten some some drinks at restaurants between like five and seven recently and there definitely was no deal so uh well more questions are raised i think there are maybe some reasons for that but happy hours are going to be back with a vengeance trust me and uh you know shout out to to mellow mushroom charlottesville pint night 
in which a college bar tricked a bunch of 21-year-olds into spending $75 in order to be able to get an engraved, uh, you know, beer stein that they could have bought for $7 on Amazon.com. You know, you say that, but like... So we're we're in it we're in a new stage of of making friendships with new people now and and coming out of our caves. Um, I met someone the other night that was a, a UVA grad, and I noticed that they had like a devil's backbone glass and a wild wolf glass, and they were so excited to to find another UVA person that enjoyed beer. They went back and got that that pint out. So was that seventy five dollars worth of utility? Who the hell cares? Because it was a really genuine moment. <laughs> Um, I, so. I can appreciate that, but you also could have gone. You could have done what I did and just gone to pint night and drank whatever the hell you wanted, and not worried about filling out the pint card. You still could have made That's the friendships. Well, well yeah, I, I don't I have think... one of those mugs. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Not as cool as that guy Pierce was hanging out with. <laughs> yeah, um, it, it was. It was actually a, a, a young woman, but you know. Uh, <laughs> But but I was I was very I was very impressed and and we bonded immediately. But um, no, I mean I think that even if it's buying pints, I think uh, you know what. And I appreciate your your mention of of the you know guiding the bartender and, and Sean your your mention of previous experiences. If you can have a conversation with a person, like cocktails are really cool because they are asking you questions about what you want to drink in a way that. I don't know. Unfortunately, you you don't have with all of your options all the time. Yeah, I mean that's that's at the end of the day that's what this all comes back to. It's that you know, I think as we are looking towards the horizon and in looking towards a world in which restrictions are eased and and life feels a little more like normal. Um I think people have been really starved for communal experiences. And uh, actually, I don't think that. That's a damn fact. People have been starved for communal experiences. And, you know, I think there are, I think there is a lot to be said for the cocktail and, and the cocktail in the context that we've been talking about, like at a gathering of friends, you know, as something that can be, you know, the foundation of a really great communal experience. So, I might have to start drinking cocktails again. <laughs> I think that's really the lesson I've learned from this is drink more hard liquor. <laughs> good good lessons, I, right? I think that was a lesson some people learned like last about about late 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 March, early April. But, um, shout out shout out to my parents who listen to this podcast from time to time. That's that's what I've learned <laughs> from the pandemic, mom and dad. Drink more booze. <laughs> I heard hot toddies right. cure COVID. Oh, okay. Yeah. Any anything anything else we should apologize for? I I don't know. I don't know, but I I think we should we should maybe start with you. Uh, it's Pierce Asari. What are you apologizing for today? So we just we just mentioned like you know building friendships and and communion. Um, and uh, I'm going to talk about a thing that one I've already apologized apologized for, and two. Um, was very much anti that so on saturday evening um i got home after you know my evening with other people which was really nice um and it's like 10 30 it's like 11 i'm getting ready for bed and there's there's loud music outside which is interesting it's not on my block it's clearly coming from a couple blocks away 
and um, it gets to be 11.30 and there's still really loud music. And I live in a very like sedated uh, kind of neighborhood where this is very strange. Um, I've lived here for a couple months and haven't noticed this. So <clears throat> uh, I, what I did was I had someone else in my home uh, look up uh, what might be going on on what I will we can discuss at different time, but I would say is the worst social media service, which is Nextdoor. Um, <laughs> I don't have a Nextdoor account. Um, so of course there's a thread on Nextdoor about this loud music playing. And what is said there, and there are a bunch of people talking about it. They said, yes, there's an Airbnb in the neighborhood and it's just basically a party house. Um, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's this house, it's that house. Um, and I can hear it, I can tell it's a few blocks away from me. Um, and they're like, text this number. This is the person who, who is the listing owner. Um, and so I text this person. Um, and I'm like, hey, um, actually, I should, I should read the text I, I said so, so that also it's, it, it's on the record of, of, of what I said. Um, Hello, there has been an extremely loud party with an outdoor PA system at your listing this evening. It can be heard several blocks away. I hope this won't continue to occur. So I get a text message in the morning, which was very nice, as well as a follow-up one. And the listing owner said, hi, I checked with the people staying there and um, our cameras, and they weren't home at the time, and there didn't seem to be anything going on. And they like followed up. And so I sent a text message, and I'm like, I'm really sorry. And I told them what happened. So this is all to say, never go on next door. I already apologized for this and individually verify your your angst because I felt really bad. I'm still very curious about where this was coming from, but like I believed next door which was wrong and people were trying to get this person basically. Um so don't use next door. Yeah. Uh that's I think that's something we can all get behind. Next door is for narcs, man. Uh, I mean, it's it's a lot better than, you know, calling the non-emergency police number, but it was still, like, not cool. Sure. Yeah, that's that's reasonable, too. Uh, okay, let's, uh, let's close with a big idea from pop culture. And uh, I did something on Sunday that I've never done before, uh, which is... I went on a 10-mile walk. I walked a very long way. It took nearly three hours, uh, and that was some primo podcast time. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I came out of that I came out of that experience with a podcast to recommend and a podcast moment that really just it tickled me. So the podcast is called Whistleblower. And uh, it's it's for the sports dorks for sure, uh, but there's also something to appreciate if you are a true crime fan. Uh, it is a a story reported over many years of the NBA betting scandal. You know Tim Donahue and and whatnot. Uh, mm-hmm. Tim Donahue speaks at length. He is part of the podcast. Uh, so are Rashid Wallace and Bonzi Wells, which is great. Um, and, uh, it's, it's a story of, you know, uh, or, or at least the animating principle of the story is Donahue's assertion that 
he is not a you know a rogue agent as he was portrayed by the league uh that there actually were very deep organized crime ties to the nba betting scandal and particularly uh that that rears its head in how uh how things happen when there is an fbi investigation into uh into said organized crime ties so whistleblower is great it's you know it's a limited series there's only about six hours or so of content um i listened to the entire thing in one day uh and you can too if you have just like a a whole sunday to burn on that um but i also was listening to an old episode of south beach sessions which i hadn't gotten to south beach sessions is uh the offshoot of the dan lebitard show which is lebitard doing more kind of in-depth long-form interviews with interesting people and there's an episode from march where we talked to jamel hill and michael smith notorious uh deposed hosts of the 6 p.m sports center uh, and depending on who you ask either uh everything that's wrong with the uh liberal wussification of espn or people who got a raw deal they're people who got a raw deal uh and and so they talk about all of the circumstances surrounding that. But you know, Levitard is a really good interviewer, and he kind of probes into the longer arc of their their time working together because they had a show together before getting the Sports Center gig. And uh, he he kind of understands that uh, you know they had a very close relationship and. Smith is married and and has children and and Hill is now married. Um, But (laughs) so Dan asked them at one point, uh, were there ever any hurdles for you guys to, to jump over with respect to like how, uh, you know, how close your relationship was and, and how it was perceived by other people. And Michael Smith cuts him off and says, you mean people think we were fucking? And I just, I stopped in my tracks and I rewound it 15 seconds and I listened to it again and it just, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is this is what you can't have when that podcast is under the umbrella of ESPN. Uh, but it was just like, I'm not sure exactly what about it tickled me so. Like, it's a good question. It really is a good question. Uh, but I think the the idea the idea of that being something that you sort of tiptoe around and, and word very carefully, only to have the person you ask the question to just remove all of the pretense and just, like, hammer it away and say, is this what you really mean? Yeah. I mean, I if, you worked, it was if, great. if you work for the, for the mouse, we, we just assume that you're basically anatomically a kin doll um so the the idea that that someone would curse or discuss discuss those types of things it's like whoa 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 what's what's going on here um so i i totally understand that yeah it was uh yeah it's it's like it's definitely like when you hear uh you know some some pop star who got their start on like a disney channel song uh or disney channel show 
release their their first song where they cuss or like when uh taylor swift put out folklore and there are all these points on the record where she says shit and fuck and it's very kind of uh it's weird it's it's weird and sort of you know unsettling in a way but you're like oh that actually makes me think that you know you are are a person and not like a weird record industry alien anymore so uh yeah i, I really i appreciated that moment i really liked uh whistleblower um uh, it's one of those podcasts where there's it kind of goes off the rails a little bit and and has some very uh high thoughts of its own importance but like listening to tim donahue talk about organized crime uh and and a guy actually a, a former uh a former mafia bookmaker talking about how uh the nba is the easiest sport to manipulate via the officiating it was like that was worth the price of admission so uh whistleblower the uh michael and jamel episode of south beach sessions uh, that should be be plenty of uh good podcast nuggets for you to check out until next week that is the end of the show. You can find us at our home on the web, www.prettyokpod.com, or subscribe to the feed on your podcast app and device of choice. If you do that, please leave a rating, review, comment, sort of thing, or just tell a friend about the show. We'd love to share it with them as well. We'll be back next week to talk about something else. Until then, I'm Sean. I'm Pierce. I'm Max. Thanks for listening. Bye.